Welcome to Do A Blessing CNS Church London's podcast, sharing the good news weekly. We hope you are blessed by today's message. For those online, we had a little bit of uh, issues around the Facebook and YouTube, but by God's grace, next week we should get things resolved and we might be able to upload the sermon um, by God's grace on on, on on Facebook later. Hallelujah. See, God is faithful. And what I'm just saying is that, you know, um, just, you know, just as the prayers, just, just let us know that God is working. And what he has said, it doesn't change. It doesn't change. I can remember that when we started the church, it was only two of us that had jobs. Me and Anna, every other person did not have yet. But now, we thank God. You know, we have assistant directors now. I heard that somebody just became an assistant director. We have vice president of uh, vice president of a company. You know, hey, God is God is doing His work. We have no, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we have uh, Grammy nominated. <laughs> See, God is. All I'm just saying to you is that, because uh, you know, just following up. I'm just saying it's just because of the prayers that that was said. Just for you to know, last before the anniversary, I was preaching, and the MP came around, and he said, "I want to speak to your pastor." And people were like, you know, where that person had, I thought, <laughs> Jesus, I hope we are not the name to Apparently, he insisted, he dropped his number, dropped his email, that she please contact him. Uh, if, you know, he's hoping that they can worship with us. I'm not going to contact them. <laughs> but what I'm just telling you, I'm just saying, you know, because at times so, so many things are happening and you may not see it. Ah, God has said that. It is, it is happening. And it's not just, it is a gradual process. It's a gradual process. You know? So when I finished at the doing at the end, the end came to me, I was like, <laughs> I thought it was a joke. <laughs> I thought it was a joke. So when they dropped the, I didn't think he, he didn't have his ID card with him, I'm sorry, his property card, so he dropped his, to show how keen he was, he dropped his um, pen that had his email and his telephone number, and he said, tell him to contact you. And things like that. So, you know, God is doing his work. Um, and God will continually help us in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, uh, he, he, hallelujah. Amen. As we go into the new year, I just, it's just been something that has been in my mind, and, you know, as God will have it also, you know, the, we are talking about yeah, the pillars for the year, the pillars for the year. And and this has been what God has laid in my mind for a long period of time, for a while now. And and you know, when they were helping me to design the the slides, it was you know, when I kind of looked at it, it was quite interesting to me that that it was two pillars that was left there. And and because that picture, that slide, because when I saw it this morning, it had they had the options of putting three or whatever it is for most two. 
And I think that, you know, it, to me, it just kind of adds up to what God is. Just in emphasizing it in a very, in a very um, humorous way, just trying to emphasize that this is what exactly I am saying. And as we just begin to look forward, I will start from the viewpoint of what Jesus said. When Jesus came out of wilderness and he came, he came out, the Bible says that he, the Bible says that from that time on, Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. The Bible says, from that time on, he began to preach. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. You know, I think maybe a couple of years ago, I've explained to us that there is a difference. When you say the Bible says the kingdom of heaven, there is a difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of heaven. And when the Bible says the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God contains the two, both heaven and earth. But Jesus specifically said the kingdom of heaven is near. So he said, repent. And just before we go further, I know I explained it was it last week or two weeks ago, uh, two, two weeks ago when I said repent. When the Yoruba, the Yoruba translation puts it well, he said So that means that you have to renew before you can piwada, you, you before you can turn around. So when you read the Webster dictionary, you would see that part of the definition of repentance you see here to change one's mind. So at times when they say repent, when Jesus was talking to them about repent, it's not only that they should, it is important that they should forsake their sin, but it's also telling them to have a change of mind because a kingdom is coming there. Because a kingdom is coming there. Now, one of the challenges is that if you don't understand how a kingdom works, there are so many things that Jesus began to teach or talk about that you would not understand. And you would begin to see in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, Jesus said again, and this gospel of the kingdom. So that means that there are different kinds of gospels. There are different kinds of gospel. But he said this. You know, when I say, when I tell somebody, I say, when I say to you, bring me this particular thing. What I am saying also is that there are different types. So he said that this particular gospel the part he now defines that this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and the hand will come. So, when we are talking about kingdom, you are talking about a king and his dominion. That's what they call kingdom. It's two words king and dominion. So that means there is a king in heaven and is enlarging his dominion, is enlarging his territory. Is enlarging his territory. And 
this is so we will begin to look at it this way let's go to Isaiah chapter 9 the Bible says for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given please I'm the one that I like this part in red it says that the kingdom will be on his shoulder he said it will be called the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Let's go on. He says that the greatness of his government, the greatness of his government and his peace, there will be no end. Let's go to the previous slide. Because I'm just trying to... The Bible says the government will be on his shoulder. And he now said that, if you go to the next uh, verse 7, please, he says, and of the greatness of his government and his peace, there will be no end. I want to illustrate something to you. When I put this dado on my shoulder, do you know what you can say? I have put the dado on my body. For this dado to be on my shoulder, you can also say it's on my body. Does that make sense? Because your body starts from your shoulder down. So that means that the government of Christ is residing on his body. And the Bible says we are the body of Christ. Christ is the head and we are the body. So for the greatness of that kingdom and peace to keep advancing without an end, it is relying on the body. I don't know if you get what I'm trying to say. If the government is on its shoulder and that government will know no end, the expansion of that government is upon its body. You would see why the devil would always want to restrict the advancement of the body of Christ. Because that is when the prophecy of Isaiah would be fulfilled that his kingdom will know no end. May God grant us understanding in the name of Jesus Christ. But please, look at all the words that have been said. Kingdom. That's why when Jesus came, Jesus was talking about, I have brought a kingdom. There is a king. And there is his dominion. Now, the expansion of that kingdom is done via his body. That's why when Jesus was leaving, Jesus said, go into the world and preach the gospel. Why? He said, keep expanding my kingdom. Keep expanding my kingdom. God help us in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, there is uh, there are the people that are involved 
the Bible would call, there are two dimensions of them. The Bible will call us, like he said in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, he says, We he said, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him that has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So the Bible is saying, you are a royal priesthood. Now, it is important that you understand why the Bible is combining those two. You are a royal priesthood because you are working as a priesthood in a kingdom. I'm going to explain these things to you. You'll get it even much better. Let's go to Revelation chapter 5. Now, the way you can reign as a Christian is when you are apprentice, when you bring these two dimensions together. He says you are made, he said you have made them to be a kingdom and a priest to serve God that they may reign on the earth. So their reigning is when they serve God as a kingdom of priests. So a kingdom and a priest. When you read the NLT version, it says a kingdom of priests. So they are all priests, but they are also kings. They are all priests and they are also kings. Now, why is it why are we why why is it important that we are a royal priesthood? Because Jesus himself was a royal priesthood. Why was he a royal priesthood? Because Jesus followed the the priesthood of Jesus. Do you know what the Bible says about the priesthood of Jesus? The priesthood of Jesus follows the priesthood of Melchizedek. I will get to it. Let's go to uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 7, 16 to 17. The Bible says, One who has become a priest, not on the basis of the regulation as to his ancestry, but on the basis of power and in, of an indestructible life. For it is declared, this is Jesus they are talking about. You are a priest in the order of Melchizedek. So that means the priesthood of Jesus is not the priesthood of Aaron. The priesthood of Jesus is higher than the priesthood of Aaron. But the Bible now says that that priesthood is a priesthood according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, what, what is important in that? And I've quoted a lot of scriptures here, but we will get to the we'll get to the point of it. Genesis chapter 14. Let's look at Melchizedek. Now, the Bible says Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out bread. He was the priest. So that means that Melchizedek 
was a king and priest at the same time. That is why the Bible says that the order of the priesthood of Jesus is the priesthood of Melchizedek. So that means that if we are following Christ, you can only be a royal priesthood. You can only be a royal priesthood. God grant us understanding in the name of Jesus Christ. So, we've got it to the point, let me just summarize what I've done so far, is that we are called into a kingdom. And in a kingdom, there is a lifetime that is expected of you. And to be able to function in that kingdom, you have to be a priest. But your priesthood is a royal priesthood. That means you are functioning as a king and a priest. Do you know do you know what brings the priest and the king together? When the priest will speak, they will bless by their mouth. When a king will decree, it is by their mouth. That is why when on the day of Pentecost, what descended on them was a, a fire in form of tongue. That is why when Jesus was going, he said they shall speak in a new tongue. Not necessarily speaking in tongues as it were, but what he's saying that they would have a new tongue because they are coming into the office of a priest and they are sitting in the office of a king. So when the fire came on them, it came in form of a tongue. Does this make sense to us? So, now that we get it to that point, as in our function as a priest, there is something that is required of every priest. Hebrews chapter Hebrews chapter because of that, let's just go to Hebrews chapter 8 verse 3 8 verse 3 no, next slide, verse 3 please the Bible says every high priest is appointed, so that means that is their job to offer both gifts and sacrifices so one false responsibility of a priest is to offer sacrifices. One function of a priest is to offer sacrifices. The, section, the second function of a priest, Malachi chapter 2 verse 7, the Bible says that for the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge because he is the messenger of the Almighty. People will come to seek instructions from his mouth. So when the priest is giving an offering, 
they, he performs sacrifice and is expected to do well on the word of God. Then what is the sacrifice that a priest offers? The sacrifice a priest offers is called the sacrifice of prayer. David said, let my prayer come up to you like the evening sacrifice. So, as a Christian, your prayer life is a sacrifice to God on his own. That is why Jesus said, man always ought to pray. Because until when you understand that your prayer life itself it's a sacrifice. It is, it is, see, that is why a priest, when a priest is going before God, he does not only sacrifice for himself, he sacrifices for the nation. So when you are a priest, you are not, God is not only expecting you to come and pray for yourself, he's expecting you to pray for those around you. Let's see Jesus as an example. Matthew chapter, uh, sorry, Hebrews uh, chapter 5, verse 7. The Bible says, during the, his, his, uh, during the days of his life, he offered prayers and petition with, uh, sorry, um, I think it, it will probably be a King James Version that will call that prayers prayers of sacrifice. He offered up prayers and petitions. So, when a man is offering something, what you offer is sacrifice as a priest. Let's see <laughs> if um, Revelation chapter 5 verse 8, that will give him more clear. The Bible says, and, I, and, and when I had been taken to heaven, the four living creatures and 24 elders fell before the Lamb. Each one of them had harp and was holding a bowl full of incense, and which, sorry, full of incense, which are the prayers of the people of God. I used to wonder, to, I used to ask myself, Bio, if you are the only one that heaven is de depending on, on incense. <laughs> if you are the only one that heaven is saying, the incense are going to burn today, there's only one person on heart. And the only way we collect our incense is the altar of prayer. <laughs> See, this is why prayer is beyond what you need. Because as you engage in prayer, as a priest, when you come before God in prayer, you are offering in a sacrifice. And when your prayer life gets to a point, you begin to discover that the Holy Spirit will begin to bring people to you and you will tell you start to pray for them. It will bring the church to you, start to pray for this. It will bring that to you, start to pray for that. Why? Because you have now become you are, you, are, you are standing in your position as a priest, constantly offering that sacrifice. 
So, it is, there was a day that God explained something to me. A thought came to me and I was, you know, I, I felt that God was saying, man, the day you know why Jesus wake up early in the morning to go and pray is the day your prayer life will change. Why? Because Jesus was God. He didn't need, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't have any problem. So why would Jesus wake up early in the morning, the Bible will say, and go to go and pray? What was he praying about? Because he was standing in his role as a priest. A priest ought to wake up to offer sacrifice. So when you're, and the Bible says that the, 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 See, at times when everything is okay, <coughs> assuming you have everything, and that's what God was saying, Matt. If, if you have every single thing you are praying for, every single prayer point is answered. Will I still see you standing up to pray in the day, early in the morning, or in the middle of the night, or maybe any time that you pray? So if you're looking for calm, Tick. Looking for this tick, looking for that tick, 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 everything is gone. Then somebody will say that I, I don't have prayer points. It is because that we have not discovered that the prayer is beyond. Prayer is beyond that. So as a priest, that is why one of the least attended services in any church is prayer service. You know, it's just, it's just, you know, I, I used to watch Winners, you know, that church is like 50,000, you want be 50,000, yeah, 50,000 capacity. And they, but when it's prayer service, going to the prayer service during the week, they use a smaller room. <laughs> because 90% of the church, they don't come. Ah, go and look at their early morning prayer. Ah, that one. As big as we as you only see three rows. Three rows. Go and see their prayer. Come that time in the morning. Three rows. So they try to bring everybody to the first like, camera car. God help us in Jesus' name. Amen. We are all learning. And that's why you know, the Bible says that they, so you know, it is important. So, as a priest, your sacrifice of prayer is demanded by God. As a priest, the word having understanding of scripture constantly learning more about the scripture is so important. See, when you begin to read, we read it, the Bible talks about the days when Peter, there was issues and, you know, and Peter was, um, um, they were distributing food. See, it is not the first time that it's happened. They were distributing food and the Jews were having more food than the Gentiles. So, because most of all the church were Jews. So, all the Gentiles that came in, they were just so the widows that were looking for food. It was they, they first of all served the Jews. So people were not complaining. Ah, excuse me, Peter, what's going on? 
We are the, we, the, the Gentiles are here, and so the, the non Jews are, are here, and you know, we are not being looked after. So that was what happened in Acts chapter 6. So then, see, the normal thing you would expect is that Peter would say that, you know, let us, okay, Peter would say, okay, you know what, I know that this thing is causing a problem. Let us go and settle it. Let us sit down and talk about it. Or let me begin to do it. But see what Peter said. Peter said, brothers and sisters, choose seven from among you who are known and full of the spirit and wisdom. And we will turn the responsibility over to them. He said, we will give our attention to prayer and the, ministry, and, and, and the ministry of the world. So it was as if in everything that was going on in the church, Peter, the, the, the apostles were keen to make sure that nothing reduces the time of prayer and nothing takes away from the time of the world. And the Bible later says, in verse 7, the Bible later says that so, so the word of, the, of God spread and the numbers of disciples and the numbers of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and the number of priests that became obedient to the faith. And the Bible talks about Stephen who performed great wonders and miracles. But if the apostles are said, ah, this conversation going on, let us, let us, let us just leave prayer a bit. Let us go and concentrate on these kind of things. What am I trying to say? The pillars for the new year, this may sound like victory, it may sound like something that is, you know, normal, is the pray, is the all is the is the pillar of the word and the pillar of prayer. Pillar of the word and pillar of prayer. Hannah was um, explaining about a particular man, which I also watched, the man that had these demonic powers. He was, he was involved in 31 occult groups where he was a leader and things like that. Now, he said something. He said there are some Christians. He said, he said there are some Christians that when we see them, he said they are, he said they are just coming from vigil. They prayed. He said, he said, it is the witch in their house that will take the Bible from the way they come and, and welcome them back home. He said, and this man is CAC. If you know CAC, this man is CAC. He's still in CAC. He said, I said, I feel bad when I get to prayer conferences and there is no time for the word. He said, those Christians, he said, that is what happens. He said, they are always praying. There is no word inside of them, but they don't know that what actually... See, this is the way I see it. It's as if when you are preaching the word like this, you are pouring gasoline, you are pouring petrol across the place. When you only need... When you just put a small match, which is the prayer, it will lit up the whole place. But when you put on the match, that match may be born for a while, but after a time, it would die. So that is the person who keeps praying and is not guided by the word. There was one servant of God that, you know, there was one, well, he's a servant of God, you know, he's, 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 um, he was talking at a place, at say, an Oriyoki, you know, 
a very powerful prophet. And he said, he said, when God called me, said, I told God that the only condition I will do this work is that you will not, I, will, I don't have time. So I cannot read the Bible more than twice a year. You know, people that were dead that do people just you know but he let me and he was he was he was ministering and yet somebody in this church went to minister somewhere went to minister somewhere and she got to the place and somebody said, ah, one of the prophets said, ah, eh, these people, you know, we, we don't, we have the Holy Spirit. I've had it at past couple of times. We have the Holy Spirit. We don't have Bible, but we have the Holy Spirit. Some people, God gave them Bible. So we, God gave us Holy Spirit. How is that possible? <laughs> but that is where we are. God gave you Holy Spirit, but you don't give the Bible. <laughs> God help us in Jesus name. So now I'm just going to just point out a couple of things as we go on. Why the Word of God is 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 see one is that you are born by the Word. It is the Word. See, it is the word that gave birth to you. So the Bible says that in First Peter chapter 1, verse 23, it said, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Why? Because the word of God is what when you gave your life to Christ. But the problem is that when you now have a baby that is born, that baby still needs milk to be able to grow and develop. <coughs> Which is able to, to be able to grow and develop. So let's just quickly, I'll come back, let's just go to First Peter chapter 2, 1 to 5. It says, therefore, get rid of all malice and deceit and hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave the pure spiritual milk. The KJV or any KJV version would say, the the the, uh, the undiluted milk of the word of God. So when the Bible says spiritual milk, he is talking about the word of God. Because when you read other translations, please note that the Bible says crave. That means it is your responsibility to crave it. And the Bible says pure milk. That means that there can be that can be there can be diluted milk. In fact, there's a translation that calls it undiluted. 
So it is not drinking the milk of the word of God. But at times that milk is diluted. To the point that it is affecting the growth. See what the Bible says. The Bible says, so that by it you may grow up into your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good, as you have come to him, the living stone, rejected by human, but chosen by the pressure, um, you, you, but chosen by God, precious to him. You also, likewise, you are being built. Please note the word being built. That means that it is a gradual process. He said you are being built into a, a house to be, again, a holy priesthood. So that means your priesthood as a Christian is tied to the quality of milk that you are drinking and how often you are drinking that milk. And remember, according to Revelations, you can only reign as a priest. So, it is important that you learn to crave. He said, Offering spiritual sacrifice again acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. Then, when you now go to that verse 9 of that chapter, uh, chapter 2, he now says that he says, But you are because at times we just go to you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, but that's not where it started from. He said, But you are a royal priesthood. A holy nation, God's special possession, you are called to declare. But how do you get to function at that priesthood? You must learn to crave for undiluted, undiluted word of God. You know, I used to tell people, if the Bible says pure, that means there is impure one that can be given. So, for you to grow as a newborn baby, for your development to continue, you need to set yourself aside to begin to crave undiluted Word of God. One other thing the Word of God does, the Bible says, see, I used to, I've said this before, at times when people talk about um, the word of God is like a two-edged sword. And people think that the Bible is talking about how to kill your enemy with it. But the Bible is actually talking about you and me. That two-edged sword, the Bible says it is used on me and you. Let's read it. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. It said the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. He said, it penetrates and divides, divides the soul and the spirit. He said, the joint and the marrow. It judges your thoughts and attitudes of the heart. See, at times, 
the only way you can separate either the spirit of God is speaking to you or it, it, it is your soul that is speaking. The word of God is what helps you to differentiate the two. But when a man is not reading the word of God, he cannot differentiate. It may sound good. It may sound scriptural. But it is the word of God that helps you to judge. That's why the Bible says, he judges your thoughts. Basically, he, he looks at the attitude of the heart. He helps you to be able to discern the two. That's why the Bible will say that Bibeli Limotoro or Won Shura Timi, Iwoto Sobimotiri, Iwoto Sobimotiwa. So as you read the scripture, somebody said, you, as you, people don't know that as you are reading the Bible, your Bible is reading you. Because, and see, if you want to know how to differentiate between your soul and your spirit, or when your spirit is, is when your soul is, is or when, when something is coming from the soulish area, it is the word of God, as you are reading it, it begins to help you to judge. It begins to help you to judge. The joints and the marrow, it judges the thoughts. So, the things that a human being cannot see, the word of God will go for it and begin to weigh it. You know, at times you want to do certain things. And when the word of God finishes reading you, that thing that people are saying, ah, that thing is powerful, you will know it is not. Why? Because the word of God has helped you in that dimension. And as we just move a little bit closer because of our time, is that the word of God, the Bible says that and Hebrew, uh, sorry, Romans, sorry, Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. It says, They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Now, what does this mean? What is the word of their testimony? How the blood applies to you. They had the blood, but their testimony of how that blood relates to them is what they use to conquer. But how would you know how the, how the blood relates to you except you study the word of God? Except you study the word of God. See, there are some things that I TV, I was still speaking to Michael yesterday, and we we'll have it. And see, there are so many things that in the Bible that you have had for years. But when you begin to study, you begin to ask yourself. Let me give you an example of what I was going to share yesterday. Who was the king after Saul in the Bible? 
Yeah. David. And it's not. There was a king between David and Saul. He reigned for two years. No, I'm just trying to say. See, there are so many things that you would read in scriptures. See, until you sit down and study that scripture well. Go and give your Bible. You see what I'm saying? Where is the Bible, Pastor? I think it's. Um, Second Samuel. Second Samuel. I think I've forgotten his name. But what I'm trying to say is that there are things that you. If I ask you. If I ask you that. I'm not. If I ask you that. How many of us think that. How many of us think that. How many of us think that. Jonathan and David, and the Bible talks about their friends. Do we get to it here? Yeah, yeah. But they were no mates. Jonathan was very much older than David. When David became king, David was 30 years old. When Saul became king. Saul was 30 years old. Remember that when David went to war, David could not fight that battle because he was below the age of 20. So that means that Saul was old already before David was in that boy. But when you read it, it's as if you know, they were just... No... Because the man that ruled before David was 40 years old when he became king. And he ruled for two years. So that means that, and that man was. Yeah, that man was. Ishbosheth. That man was, was, was like the third son before um, Jonathan. So that guy was at least 12 years older than David and was the third born. So they thought they thought after um, Jonathan. So that means they can't they are not mates. But what I'm saying, I'm saying let's just leave the other side. What I'm trying to say is that at times there are so many things you are shouting in scripture, and God is like, ah, ah just read. Just read. Somebody was asking me yesterday. Somebody said that, you know, how did um, King um, give back to uh, marry a wife when it was only three sons that the Bible says that Adam had. Well, actually, the Bible did not say that Adam had only three sons. They, were, they had girls. Genesis 5 4. They had women, they had men. But the Bible did not just mention them. So Adam did not just have three children. So, you know, at times you just have to study more to see. And that's what is the Bible says that, and it's, so just back to what we're saying. He says, so I believe that he's saying the blood of the lamb 
and the word of their testimony of what Christ did on the cross. And that when you combine the two, then you can overcome them. I have a, um, uh, a statement here that was, you know, that Derek um, Prince was a declaration that he normally prays over himself. And he says that, he says, my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, redeemed, cleansed, sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ. My members are, in, are, are instruments of righteousness yielded to God for service and for his glory. The devil has no place in me, no power over me, no unsettled claim against me. All have been settled by the blood of Jesus. I overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of my testimony. This is, the, my body is of the Lord and the Lord is for my body. This is a man declaring his <coughs> testimony. So, somebody that has not given their life to Christ cannot say that I claim um, they, they overcame the devil by the word of the, of the blood of the Lamb and uh, by their testimony. They will say, which testimony do you have? The Jesus that you have not taken. God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. So as we just move this together and wrap it up, as what, what, what I'm just trying to say that in the kingdom as a priest, we have two major roles. The world, dedicating ourselves to the world and also to prayer. And I'm just going to show you two people in the scriptures just because of our time, two people in the scriptures, when, when they were in the issues of their life and they began to merge the word of God and prayer together. Daniel, Daniel chapter 9 from verse 2. Daniel said, in the first year of the reign of, of Israel, I, Daniel, understood scriptures according to the word which was given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem will last 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayers and petitions, in fasting and in sacrifice. So that means that he's saying, I read the book of Jeremiah. And after I read it, I discovered that this is what God is talking about. So I went to prayer. And which part of Book of Jeremiah did he read? Remember that Daniel was in Babylon. So let's go to Jeremiah chapter 29. This is the scripture that Daniel was reading from verse 10. He says, This is what the Lord says When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my, my good promise and bring you to the place. For I know, this is the part with it, I know my plans. For you declares the Lord, the plans to prosper you, the uh, and um, the plan to prosper you and not to harm you, the plan to give you a hope and a future. This is the part we don't read. Verse twelve. Then you will call on me. So what he's saying is that after you read my promises in the scriptures, then you convert it to prayer. He said, then you will call on me 
and you, you call on me and come and pray to me. I will listen to you. And you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from that captivity. But God has said, I will bring them back. But he was waiting for somebody to stand in the place of prayer based on what they've read. That was what Daniel did. After Daniel read, I have my hope towards you, our good or not of evil, to bring it to a hope, I bring it to a, a, a hope and, 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 and things like that. Daniel decided to begin a fast based on what he read in the scriptures. But we caught it, um, God is with me, um, a hope and, a, and things like that. And God will say, please read verse 12. You have read it, but it is time for you to call on me. You have so many examples like that in, in scriptures. Let's just read um, um, Acts chapter 4. Again, just because I said one, oh, let's do one Old Testament, one, one, um, one uh, in the new one. Acts chapter 4 verse 24 to 26, he said, when they had finished this, they raised up their voices to the Lord in prayer. Sovereign Lord, they, Sovereign Lord, they said you made the heavens and the earth, and the, 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 the heavens and the earth, and the seas and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servants, the, our, the servant, our father David. Why do the nations read? Where are they quoting? The scriptures in the Gospels. So, so when the apostles were going to pray, they went to go and look for what God has already settled in scriptures. And that is what they based their prayers on. Because I feel bad is not a platform for prayer. I know it feels... I know it doesn't, you know, it's not a platform of prayer. At times, it takes me time to be able to come to a place of prayer about a particular thing because I am thinking, where is my basis of argument on the altar of prayer? So, that is why when Jesus was going to ask us to pray, in, 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 in Matthew chapter 6, he says to us, he says to us, in this manner, so this is how you pray. Jesus did not say we should read the Lord's Prayer, but we read it and in scripture. Jesus also said, pray in this manner. That means when you are going to format your prayer, follow this way. He said, our Father who is in heaven. So basically, first of all, understand that God is not on earth. God is in heaven. You are on earth. He said, hallowed be your name. That means your name is holy. He now said, your kingdom come. That means you have already settled something in heaven. Now I need your kingdom to come on earth. He said, your will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus was saying that, you know, God is in heaven, but he has a will that's already established in scriptures. So when you are praying, pray in this manner. Give yourself to the study of scriptures. And as you begin to find the truth out, you begin to lay the foundation of prayer. That's what Jesus was teaching them. That's why I said, our Father who is in heaven, your Father is in heaven. He's not on earth. And whatever he, he wants to do, he has said, the Bible says, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. This is settled on earth. So, as again, back to where we started from, the kingdom is on his shoulder, on his body. And as we begin to advance that kingdom in prayer, as we begin to read and understand the scriptures, and it begins to change us, then we begin to advance on the altar of prayer. That's why Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And everything shall be added to you. Basically, be concerned about what the king is concerned about. Be concerned about how to increase his dominion. Then, everything shall be added to you. God bless us in the name of Jesus. Let us rise up. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. Have a blessed week.